Welcome to WIN, the Women in Industry podcast, a production of the Communications Group. Welcome to the award-winning Women in Industry podcast. That's WIN for short. I'm your co-producer, Hannah Phillips, and WIN is brought to you by the Communications Group, a full-service marketing, public relations, and advertising agency based in Little Rock, Arkansas. At the Communications Group, we serve the agriculture, business-to-business, and education and outreach industries. And this week in February is National FFA Week. FFA shapes the future generation of agricultural leaders. To shine light on this organization, when it's featuring Arkansas FFA state officers. But before we dive in, I encourage you to nominate an inspirational woman or multiple who are rock stars in their careers by clicking the nomination link in the show notes below or by visiting comgroup.com. Dot com. That's C-O-M-G-R-O-U-P dot com. Now, let's dive in. So now let's talk about inspirational women. I'm Hannah Phillips, the WIN Podcast co-producer and Calm Group Public Relations and Client Services Coordinator and the host of today's episode. And today's guest is Arkansas FFA President Reese Mitchell. Welcome to the podcast, Reese. I'm glad to be here. And so everyone, just to let you know, I realized in a previous conversation that with Reese, I could talk to her all day long, but for time's sake, we're not going to do that, but we're just going to jump right in. And Reese, can you introduce yourself for us? Yeah, so my name is Reese Mitchell. I'm currently a senior in high school and serving as the Arkansas FFA State President. Can you tell us what high school you go to and a little bit about your role as the president? Yes, so I go to Emerson High School, which is, I live in Emerson, Arkansas, which is about five miles away from Louisiana in the southwest corner of Arkansas. And in my position as state president, I facilitate and deliver workshops based on premier leadership, personal growth, and career success to students across the state. I serve as an advocate for the association to business professionals, government leaders from within our state to uh, internationally. Okay, so that sounds pretty official, especially since you're only in high school, So what drew you to that position to begin with? Well, I consider myself lucky. I've known about the FFA since uh, I was a baby and I grew up around agriculture and I'm actually the fourth state president, third generation of my family, but my family never pushed me to be here. Being able to experience the FFA from the eighth grade and see state officers at work and the summer before my eighth grade really made me want to be in this position and be able to influence members and teach them what I know about agriculture and learn what they know as well. So you're a fourth generation, you said? Third generation. Third generation. Yes. Okay. Okay. So can you name drop any of your family members for us? Yes. So the first state president in my family was Bruce Malik. He's my grandpa. And then next, my uncle, Ryan Malik, and then Victoria Malik, their siblings, they were both state president, and then I'm now state president. So there you have it. It's in her blood to be a state president here. And so how long have you been a part of FFA? I know you said you were kind of brought up into it, but when did you join? I kind of cheated and went to Arkansas Leadership Conference the summer before my eighth grade year, which I really wasn't supposed to do like with my school, but I was technically an FFA member. And so I was like, I'll pay for it. I want to go really bad. And so I joined FFA technically like the first day in eighth grade. And I've been a member since. So you found a loophole basically. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> we we love to see it. The more and you can get out, the better. Exactly. I'm glad we're on the same wave, the same wavelength here. And so in your position, you seems like you do a lot, but out of all of that, what is your favorite? I think my favorite thing from 
all of it, whether it was camps this summer to camps we're doing now to being able to go to Costa Rica with National FFA is just talking with other people and seeing their perspective on agriculture and just the way they go about life, because it's so eye opening to see even within our own state how the different areas of Arkansas produce different types of agriculture and how eastern Arkansas is completely different than southwest Arkansas and southwest Arkansas is completely different than northwest Arkansas and just the customs and traditions are so different among everywhere. So what motivates you to really pursue this and to pursue the mission of FFA? Being so young but being able to be a part of this organization that is truly I've been able to see as such a student-led organization is something that truly motivates me. Being able to be in a position where I as a senior in high school can influence others and teach others while they also influence me is really what motivates me. Being able to understand that from a young age, I can still have the ability to impact and learn. So when I grow older, I can impact more. And since you've been in FFA and specifically within your position, what is one thing that you learned that maybe you didn't think you would learn about maybe agriculture, FFA, or just life in general? I think what I really learned, which has kind of influenced my future, is just the wide variety of everything and how I have a friend who was talking to me the other day and he was like, I want to be a computer scientist, but I'm still going to college and I still love the ag industry, but I want to be a computer scientist. And I was like, well, that still ties back to agriculture and that's super cool. But just the main thing that I've learned and loved so much is just the wide variety and like how much stuff ties back to agriculture. Like, for example, I know in Washington, D.C., the Agriculture Committee actually handles cryptocurrency because it's considered a commodity. And it's just crazy how much stuff can fit into the broad category of agriculture. I guess you could say agriculture is kind of a spider web, if you will. Everything ties back together. And all right, so we are going to take a short break and then we are going to jump right back into our conversation. So we'll see you in a second. A website audit is one of the most powerful website activities you can use to improve user experience, generate higher search visibility, and more. During the communication group's website audit, our team analyzes weak points, compares a website to competitors, and creates and implements a plan to improve the overall user experience on the site and generate higher search visibility. Contact the communications group to walk away with powerful insights you can use to create a better, more effective website. Follow the link in the episode notes to sign up for a free website audit from the communications group. All right. Welcome back. We are still here with Reese Mitchell, Arkansas FFA president. So Reese, in a previous conversation that we had, you mentioned that there are many misconceptions about FFA and agriculture as a whole. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? I think the list of misconceptions in FFA and agriculture can go on forever. It's a list of so many possibilities. I mean, I know personally I grew up with swine production as something that I've done, and I know that there's things out there that are against gestation crates and those type of productions because it holds the sow in there too long. But mainly in general, I think the biggest misconception is how people think that agriculture and the FFA specifically is very narrow. There's only certain kids in certain classes that can reach the ability to become an FFA member or become an agriculturist. And I think that those misconceptions have led to a broader span of misconceptions, as well as the miscommunication that we uh, face on our end on being able to tell others about it that don't know about our industry. So can you tell us a little bit about 
some of the other opportunities within FFA that people aren't necessarily aware of? So I feel like when you think of FFA as just an outsider looking in, you think of the showing livestock, you think of the career development events, but like more specifically, if I was an outsider looking in, I would think of like livestock evaluation or ag mechanics and something in that nature. But in reality, there's so much more like leadership development events, which became my favorite thing. And with leadership development events, I learned parliamentary procedure. And recently, this past October, I was able to serve as national committee chair of the Conduct Standards Implementation Committee, which allowed me to see almost a side of politics because I was able to be in the position of being a committee chair and understand how the FFA works within they needed to reach the goal with my committee and understand how we needed to get from one place to another while also conducting in a proper manner. Yeah. And to bounce back off of that, that made me think of another part of our previous conversation. You said that you wanted to take a more non-traditional route in agriculture to impact, like with your career, you wanted to impact others who are in the fields and doing other parts of agriculture in a non-traditional way. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So I know as it almost feels like as soon as you're born, the first question you're going to be asked is, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, as I've gotten older, I've gotten a follow-up question to that, which is, well, you're so involved in agriculture. Why do you want to go into dentistry? Well, that's the thing. I talk so much about agriculture being broad and being so much more than you think, but it, it, it truly is. Coming from a rural area, there's about, I don't know the exact number, but probably 200 people in my town. The closest town to me is Magnolia, which is about 20 minutes away. And our dentists and our even our doctors in this area are slowly aging out and going into retirement. And there's nobody coming back to these areas. And so rural Americans and farmers don't have the access to health care that they need. And this is my non-traditional path. Well, I go to college. I still want to major in animal science and agricultural communications to stay within the ag college. But I found the need for rural Americans and farmers to have that access to health care. And once a week, if I, I plan to come back to a rural area and once a week, I plan to stay open late. I don't know how late that's going to be whenever I need to, however late I guess I book, it's going to be how late I stay open for the farmers who can't stop in the middle of the day from what they're doing and come to the dentist or for the people who work nine to fives who can't stop in the middle of the day and come to the dentist. And so being an FFA, how did that lead you or shape your mentality for this goal? I think being in the FFA showed me how progressive the future needs to be because the opportunity to be a national delegate and be within the committees, I saw the work that needed to be put in to change the future of our organization because that's what a national FFA delegate does is they vote to change the future of the organization. I think seeing the leadership side of everything and how it prepared me for career success is truly how it's helped me shape my future, just because FFA is truly a progressive organization and being able to see the progress that's needed while being still in high school is something that's truly shaped my future. And if you could share one message, one core message about FFA to others, whether it's how it shaped your life or how it could maybe shape someone else's life, what would you tell someone? I think I would start with FFA is progressive for everyone. And then if I had more time to build on that message, I would tell them the story of my friend in high school. In our first day in ag class, I sat right beside her and she's a cheerleader, still is a cheerleader. And she was like, I'm not doing it. I don't like it. I'm not going to do anything here. I hate it all. I'm not going to do it. And with a little bit of convincing, 
I was able to talk her into it and she found that she liked plants. And so she joined the nursery team and now is still competing on the nursery team and serves as our parley chair for our parley team in our chapter. And she found she came from a non-traditional ag background. She didn't know what FFA was until she stepped into that classroom, but she joined and found the opportunity and truly progressed through the organization and built her skills because she used to be shy, but now she's really confident in herself. That's so cool because I've actually turned into a plant girl. So if I would have known about that when I was in high school, there's a good chance I would have been there too. And I I will say I am definitely not a plant girl. I couldn't tell, like, I can't keep a plant alive. I don't know flowers from different flowers. I'm animal and leadership girly to to the core. Listen, we all have our strengths. And okay, so we just have a few questions left. And we were talking about some of the misconceptions earlier about agriculture. And one of those is that agriculture is a predominantly male industry, but recently there started to be a shift. Can you tell us about your experience in seeing women start to rise more in agriculture? I've definitely seen the shift. Even back in the eighth grade, I began to see the shift. My ag teacher was a female going all through high school. And recently I was able to facilitate a workshop to pre-service teachers, which is student teachers this semester and next semester. And it was predominantly women in there. And they were so ready and eager to get back to their classrooms. And it's a huge shift. And I feel that even in leadership positions, we are more commonly seeing women versus men in those leadership positions. And it's something that's truly inspiring. For sure. So to build off of that, because we are the Women in Industry podcast, we love to highlight inspirational women who have influenced and inspired the inspirational women that we host on this podcast. So can you tell us about an inspirational woman or two or three or however many who have really impacted and influenced your life? I feel like I should just start going down the list because it's so long, but (laughs) My mom has definitely influenced me. I mean, I think all moms are great, but mine has shown me how no matter what you face in life, you can still reach your goals through so many different ways that she's done that. My grandma, she's always been with me every step of the way and supported me the entire time. And then I get to like my friends who are inspirational to me and like close to the top of that list is Brooke Bradford because I know Brooke and I love Brooke. She's so sweet and amazing. And she's truly a picture of non-traditional agriculture and has taught I think many girls that you don't have to be on the farm or have dirt on your boots or anything like that. You can be in pageants. You can be non-traditional. And then on another level, I find Jola really inspiring. She was the former CEO of Heifer International, and she came from right here in Arkansas. And she built her way up, even coming from a state that people don't hear much about Arkansas. You don't hear much about it. You don't see much about it unless it's probably something negative sometimes, you know, like a football team losing. But As she built up, she was able to become a CEO of such an influential and important international organization. And for our listeners, in case you didn't know, she just named her Brooke Bradford, and she actually recorded a WIN podcast last year. So if you want to go listen to her and see how she's inspired Reese, just go listen to her podcast from last year. And also, can you name drop your mom and grandma? Let's just give them a shout out. So my mom's name is Lauren Mitchell, and then my grandma's name is Martha Malik. So let's just give them a big round of applause right now because they are also just as inspiring. So Reese, thank you so much for being on today's WIN podcast. I really enjoyed this conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it.
thank you for tuning in to today's episode of The Win Podcast. I'm so glad we got to share this inspiring story with you. You can check out comgroup.com to learn more about today's guest and other incredible, amazing women who have been featured on Win. And while you're there, please nominate a woman in your life worthy of recognition because of the impact they are making on the world. Also, please rate, review, subscribe, or anything while you're in your favorite podcast app. And most importantly, share Win with your friends. So until next time, I am your co-producer, Hannah Phillips, and keep on inspiring. Thank you so much for joining us in this week's episode of The Win Podcast. The Women in Industry Podcast is presented by the Communications Group to celebrate professional women and their achievements. For more information about today's guest and others like her, or to nominate a woman in industry for recognition, click on over to comgroup.com. Join in on the Win Conversation by visiting the Win social channels on Instagram or Facebook. Or check out our Com Group social channels on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The Win Podcast is hosted by Com Group Executive Vice President Lisa Van Hook and PR Director Carson Horn, and produced by Cassie Booker. To learn more about how the Communications Group can help you achieve your business goals, contact us today at infocomgroup.com. At